your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 8. And since you've been standing the last little bit, I'm going to let you sit today. Unless you just want to stand and ain't nobody going to stop you. Romans 8, beginning with verse 1. I promise not to be long for long's sake, but when we add something like we did to our service today, can I be the last 5% honest with you? I don't want to shortchange the Word of God to fit into our normal time frame. So if you'll give me that extra 15 minutes that we gave the graduates, I promise not to go long just for the sake of long. I've heard that before. I've been in churches like that where you want to say, hey, it don't have to be eternal to be eternal. You can... That was a joke. Um, But I I do feel like the Lord has given me this word, and it's the second in our series on the Holy Spirit. Let me just read this to you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no period there. There's a comma. Those who are in Christ Jesus. And what is the evidence of those who are in Christ Jesus? They walk not after the flesh, the old dictates, the old lustful patterns. But after the Spirit, because the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life, has made them free from the law of sin and death. For what the law of the list could not do, in that it was weak, our flesh was weak, God sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. For the that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Say that with me, in us. And what does that mean? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind. Now, let me tell you what that Greek word mind means. It means to think upon. Those that walk after the flesh think about fleshly things. To have supportive sentiment for fleshly things. To interest themselves in temporal and fleshly things. To set their affection upon the things of the flesh. They that are after the flesh set their attention, their mind, their focus, their enjoyment, their pleasures after fleshly and carnal things. But they that after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind and the fleshly mind, the temporal mind, is the enemy of God. It's enmity. It hates God. The Bible said, and this word as enmity means it has hatred towards God. It's aggressively hostile. And it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then we who live in the flesh cannot please God. But we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now that doesn't mean we're all just spirits now without a body. It means that we are not governed by the flesh. We are in the flesh. We have the flaws of the flesh. But we are not controlled and governed by the flesh, but after the Spirit. Because uh, those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9. But you are not in the flesh. How will you know? But in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And this is how we know that Christ is in us. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken you, give life to you, revitalize your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We started a series a couple of weeks ago on the Holy Spirit. We talked about the spirit uh, 
being marked by the Spirit of God, sealed with the Spirit at salvation, given a measure of the Spirit. That was for us. And then we spoke about the baptism of the Holy Spirit where Christ himself immerses us, overwhelms us in his Spirit and empowers us. One is for identification. The seal of the Spirit is for identification. The baptism of the Spirit is for enablement and endowment with power. And in this third part here, I want to speak to you about how the Holy Spirit not only identifies us, marks us, and not only empowers us, but changes us. Change is not a prerequisite of salvation, but it is essential. It is the evidentiary proof of salvation. It's not my proclamation that proves my salvation. It's my transformation. Anyone can say that Jesus is Lord, but they cannot flesh out that lordship but by the Spirit of God. Now, we're not talking about perfection in action. That disqualifies most of us. We are talking about a perfect heart, a heart that is God's, a heart that desires to please God, and a heart that is ever-changing. For the next few moments, by the grace of God, I want to speak to you about the Holy Spirit that changes us. You cannot be born again without an absolute upheaval of everything that you once were. From priorities to pleasures, there is a violent war that goes on when you are recreated. I didn't have no problem before I got saved. I wanted to get drunk. I went and got drunk. No problem. You want to sleep around? You sleep around? No problem. You hate somebody? You hate them? No problem. You can be covetous? Then be covetous? No problem. You can be a racist. You can be selfish. You can be a liar. You can be anything you want to be. But once you're born again of the Spirit, now there is a, a, a fight, a battle, where the Spirit warreth against the flesh to subdue the flesh. And I want to remind you again that the evidentiary proof that you're a child of God is the war that goes on inside of you and your unwillingness to let your body live like it lived before Jesus Christ. We're so afraid of legalism that we've not met the legal definition of being born again. That was good. It wasn't in my notes, but it was good. In my generation... It was a list of don'ts. Don't drink, smoke, chew, go to the theater, no walk, no, no walking sticks, bubble gum, outdoor floodlights, uh, you know, artificial soda. Just, it's not natural. There's a list of all the no's. This generation don't have that. This generation has produced a false grace that's damning the souls of millions of people. It's a grace given before repentance. Grace follows repentance never before now it's there but I can't receive it until I repent which means change my mind about turn away from and distance myself from the things I used to do from the groups I used to hang and run with from the way I used to have my priorities I want you to leave today understanding that the role of the Holy Spirit is upheaval in the light of the Christian. Yes, the Holy Spirit will comfort. Yes, he will encourage. Yes, he will quicken. But the transformational work of the Holy Spirit 
keeps a permanent sign over your head that reads or hanging from your neck, pardon my progress. You get it all prettied up. He goes, now we're going to tackle that room. What room? Oh, that room you ain't dealt with yet. And you, and you go, don't go in there. Y'all know how it is when you have company come over? And you don't have time but to clean up three-fourths of the house? We had company this week. And Kelly did almost all of it. I give her all the credit. We had about three-fourths done. And you just holding vigil saying, Lord, don't let them go in this one room here. Just a dog could get you. At our house, a goat, a guinea, a pig, you, anything could get you. And we live that way in our Christian life. And the Holy Spirit loves kicking down doors that you just ignore. How do I know that I'm in Christ? I'm being changed from glory to glory. I'm being convicted, which causes me to repent, which causes me to receive grace, which brings me closer and closer. I could not merit salvation, but my sanctification is the evidence of my gratitude for it. Sanctification. Holy Spirit change. Y'all are just kind of, all right, well, strap in. Turbulent weather just ahead. Do your safety belt. Get your pen out, your paper. We know it's the Holy Spirit that recreates us. Salvation comes by the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us in John 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Salvation, you can't have salvation without the Holy Spirit. Like the wind blowing from left to right, you don't know where it comes from, but you can see, Jesus told him, he said, you can see where it's been by what follows in its wake. Though so it is of someone born of the Spirit. I can tell you're born of the Spirit by what happens in your life as he blows through. And blue, he, he quickens you. He opens your blind eyes and he births us again in, into the kingdom of God. And you need to understand that salvation did not come by your will. The Bible tells us in John 1, but it came by the will of God. We were born not of blood, nor the will of our own flesh, but by God. In the same way, the Holy Spirit brooded over the chaos in Genesis 1. In the beginning, uh, God created the heaven and earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit brooding over that chaos and bringing life out of that. See, you didn't know it, but before you were saved, people were not only praying for you, God had decreed and spoken over you, and the Holy Spirit was brooding over you. You were partying, but he was brooding. You were staying away from him, but he was drawing near to you. And the Holy Spirit come upon this earth and brought life out of destruction. And so it was with you. You were saved by not only the edict of God and the redemptive work of Christ, but you were transformed by the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit done in secret. In the same way a child is formed in the secret of its mother's womb. You were born in the womb of God by the Spirit. And your new birth, you came out and you, some of you who are new Christians, you're so concerned that you're not where everyone else is. But listen, when babies just come out, you know, they make a lot of mess and they make a lot of noise and the parents aren't waiting to kick them down as they walk. At the first steps, the parent thrills. And I just don't know who this is for. It's not in my notes, but I believe the Lord wants me to tell you, stop worrying about performance. He's just delighted to see you in the family right now. And those other things will come. 
Salvation is the result of the word of God. 1 Peter 1. You are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You weren't born again because you decided to change. You changed because you were born again. And you have to hear the gospel. You can't just, well, let's just love them and give them a bottle of water as they drive by. It's, no, no. How can they hear unless there's a preacher, the Bible says, someone that communicates the gospel? And how can the preacher go, you, how can we go unless we are sent? They have to hear the word of God because that's the eternal seed that gets in their dead spirit and it's germinated by the Holy Spirit and it brings about change. They were born again, not by will and not by motive or a motivational speech or someone loving them. It's the word of God that germinated. And in a nutshell, it's this. We are sinners, guilty, the word of God says. We are without hope and without help and without God in this present world. We are damned. So my soul, see my spirit's dead in sin. My soul, my mind, my intellect hears that and I cry out to God for my spirit which is dead to have mercy on me and he imparts grace to me based on the finished work of Jesus Christ quickens my spirit man and now my spirit man comes to life and you find yourself in church and you're saying I don't even recognize me I didn't even used to go to church now you walk into church crying anybody else what is wrong with me that first year you saved you just weeping and 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 there's change coming it's the work of the Holy Spirit okay number two the Holy Spirit convicts and confirms us the first is he recreates us number two he convicts and confirms us In John chapter 16, it said the Holy Spirit will reprove the world of sin, righteousness of judgment, and of judgment. The Holy Spirit works, the, the, the world uses conscience, which some people don't have a conscience. So that can't be what the Christian depends on. But conviction, now let me tell you the difference between conviction and condemnation. The devil uses condemnation. The devil uses Condemnation, which means you are guilty of this, so you ought to distance yourself from God. Conviction says, you are guilty of this, I ought to run to God and repent. Okay, he convicts us of sin, rebellion, error, independence, presumption, all forms of the self-life. When we stray from his will, his intentions and purposes... What does the conviction of the Holy Spirit look like? Well, some of this I'm taking right from the pages of the Bible and others from my own experience as well. And you can correlate them with stories in the Bible as well. The Holy Spirit gives us a sense of heaviness. The Holy Spirit, uh, a sense that something's not right, a loss of peace. When he takes his peace from us, there's an irritability there, uh, a lack of confidence, a lack of clarity. It's kind of like um, when you separate from the, the power source, the source, source of joy and peace, all that begins to drain out. But when we connect back to the vine, it's like if you sever a branch from a, uh, a tree and the sap stops flowing, that tree starts to wither. Let me tell you something about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is the greatest gift this side of your salvation 
when God convicts you of sin, it is him saying, I love you so much that I will not allow you to go down that path of destruction without checking you. Don't ever throw your hands up and go, just leave me alone. Don't you ever pray that. He loves us so much he gets in the way and checks you. Takes peace from you. Takes sleep from you. Takes support from you. Starts messing up your plans. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And then when you repent, all the heaviness lifts. All the thing gets out of the way. And we just as hard-headed. We, we tell our children, why don't you just mind me? And I think I hear heaven saying over this 58-year-old boy, why don't you just mind me? Isn't it funny that we require of our children in the natural what we will not give God in the spiritual? Ooh, hit something in, didn't it? He convicts us by opposing us, frustrating us, blocking our path. He reminds us of previous lessons or correction. It's like following the Lord is like going up a hill. And it, gets, it goes spirals up. And if you hit a blockade where you don't repent, you can do all the traveling you want to. But when you, crawl, when you start going back up, that thing's going to be waiting on you right there again. God said, what about that? Well, I don't want to deal with that. And so you go around, you sing and pray and get your devotional book and write in your journal. And the closer you try to get to God, you come right back to that. What about this right here? God will outlive you. He's not going to forget. Izzy tried manipulating Kelly the other day, and I forgot exactly what it was. And, she, and Izzy said, did you see what I did just then? <laughs> Not only did she manipulate, then she told Kelly, did you catch what I did just then? And we're like, yes. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know if I can make it to the teen years. If at eight, at eight we're doing it. God will use the voice of others if we won't listen to his voice. I know the role of a prophet. I know the role of prophetic preaching and speaking. But that's supposed to be last resort. You shouldn't depend upon me for your conviction. When you come in, you ought to hear messages like this. And it confirm your repentance before you got here. Yeah. But he will, he will convict us through others. Through a child, through someone on, online or on TV. But it's usually a reminder of that which you already knew or read or what his word declares. And in the same way, listen, the Holy Spirit not only convicts, but confirms us. In the same way, when we're in his will, he confirms our position and our walk by the opposite. A deep abiding sense of peace. Daily provision. An expectation of good, tokens of grace, confidence in prayer, and then more knowledge of his will, general and specific. The Holy Spirit bears witness with us, not just that we're a child of God, but that we're in his will. And this is the confidence we have that if we ask anything in his will, if we're living in his will, we know he hears us. And if he hears us, we have the, the petitions we've desired of him. Ben quoted this verse a little while ago, but I want to bring something out in it. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of them who love God, wait a minute, and are called according to his purpose. Not just who love God. Called, live, follow 
in his desires and intentions. There should in the life of the believer be categorical. It's like a, a, a bolt of lightning, if you will. Imagine a divine shot of power. One quickens you to encourage you. One convicts you. One provides miraculous shutting of doors, miraculous of, uh, demonstrations of open doors. But there should always be a bolt of conviction of conviction. That was wrong. I'm guilty. Forgive me, Lord. The reason the devil has attacked so much so, and he has in previous generations, but this last generation, I can speak of my lifetime. If we erase the idea of sin, when you can have your truth and I can have my truth and there's no true north, if we can erase the idea of sin, then there can be no guilt for sin. And if there is no guilt for sin, then there's no conviction of sin. And if there's no conviction of sin, then there's no repentance for that sin. And if there's no repentance, then there's no forgiveness. We should constantly, not, not being beat up, we should constantly be hearing his voice that not only that we're his child, but that you're not getting by with that. So when you say, Lord, did you see what I did just then? He goes, very easily, yes. And we as Christians, no matter how long we live with him, our peace ought to be getting deeper and our ears ought to be more in tune to the voice of the Spirit. When I grieved you, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I know I just grieved you just then. I'm sorry. And repent. Repentance is the evidence of maturity and character and holiness. How, listen, David, if you compare the life of David and Saul, David had the big sins. You know, I mean, you commit adultery with a woman and kill the husband, that, that's right up there with felonious, you know. I mean, it's horrible. But how did David find himself at the end of his life where the Bible says in his beginning of his life, he was a man after God's own heart. And at the end of his life, the scripture said, here's a man that fulfilled the, God, filled the will of God in his generation. How? He repented good. He repented quickly. He repented earnestly. He repented independently, not bringing no one else. He didn't say, well, how Saul treated me all these years by the time I got to being a king. I just, you know, if I hadn't had all that abuse or that neglect. He, he said, against you and you only have I sinned. That don't, don't let this generation of false teachers and preachers talk you out of the glory of a contrite heart. And a repentant heart that said, I stand before you guilty, O God. Forgive me of my sins. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Purge me with hyssop. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So that I might do those things that please you and honor. And then that confirmation. I can promise you this. The glories of the confirmation of the Spirit are worth all of the pain of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you finally let it go, when you finally forgive, when you finally stop, you know, we, the older you get, some things just get clear. I'm sorry. Life is real simple. And when you're young, it's just so confusing and 
you know, as you get older, you, you, you just see things. Um, and just like as you get older, you forget your train of thought. And I was going to tell you something <laughs> real profound just then. But it'll come to me. And it's going to be good. Oh, my goodness, it'll be good. Carol, don't laugh. Just quit. All right. Now to another good point. Our final point, number three. Great day that was supposed to be good. Probably come to me right in the car on the way home. Like, oh, I have to do Facebook Live. <laughs> oh, no, I'm banned from Facebook Live. Sorry. I think something's going on with mine because it, it won't let me log on and it'll do like this flicker. I think I'm marked and there's a camera in my house. I don't know. It, all right. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. How can you have a life-altering move of the recreative power of the Holy Spirit in you? The knowledge of the Word of God in front of you and not be in upheaval. Everything is changing. We're being changed. And it's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us. Consecration and sanctification. Consecration and sanctification. Sanctification is separation from the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. False teachers will tell you today, the goal of the church is to blend in, be just like everybody, win their approval and tell them about Christ. No. Come out from among them, Jesus said in his word. Come out. Not stay, come out from among them, be ye separate. Live differently, live under an invisible kingship so that when you interact with them, there's a distinction. There's a sanctification, a separation from the world. The world's music, the world's uh, recreation. It's not that everything that's outside the church is evil, but you, you have to be able to discern by association if I associated with that and they hate God, I'm siding with that. Like if someone blasphemed my wife and I was buddies with them, you see, that doesn't say much for me as a husband and it's degrading to her. There has to be that separation where you come outside the camp with him bearing his reproach. I'm not like you. I was you and I'm not better than you. But I'm not siding with this world system. So sanctification means that I come out separate. Consecration means, but I'm separated unto God. Here's what the world, is, the, and the world and the apostate church is teaching you. They say, well, consecrate yourself to God, but bring all the worldly stuff with you. People died in the New Testament. Do you understand they were called out on their hypocrisy. Now, in this day, God leaves that judgment to the end, and it's more severe. You can't come to God just any old kind of way. No, an unbeliever can for mercy, but once you have the Holy Spirit, you can't come to God any old kind of way. There's a consecration unto him. They say you can do that and be worldly. And then there's... A Christianity that says you can be worldly without being consecrated to God. And what we have in the middle is mean Christians. 
They have just enough of God that they can't enjoy the world and just enough of the world that can't enjoy God. That's why they so mean. Trying to, trying to get through the airport security with metal in your pocket. Well, God, I just want to... Mm, oh, Lord. Okay. Praise the name of the Lord. And before long, you'll stop coming to God. Unless you empty out your pockets and come clean. And I want to go on record and thank the Holy Spirit for not giving up on this carnal, rebellious, deceitfully wicked heart. And I'm not, I, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But I ain't who I was either. I'm free. I have a sound mind. I see things clearly. And that's all the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Through self-denial. The Holy Spirit is going to help you and prompt you and push you to not live a slave to your flesh. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. The first step, not the third or, third or fourth, the first step of the believer this Holy Spirit now is in us, brand new. We're forgiven, praise the Lord. He said, now deny yourself. Hmm? Now it's the cross for you because your flesh is not going to be rehabilitated. It's going to be crucified. So come out from among the world. Watch. But I don't want to come out of the world. Exactly. There's a nail. Now deny yourself, your attitudes, you getting the last word, you being first. You being heard, you being understood. It doesn't mean you don't have a voice. It means that you don't have to be in control. Deny yourself. The Bible says in Romans 8, 13, if you live after the flesh, you'll die. Listen, but if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of your body, you shall live. Anybody else think mortify is kind of a strong word? If you, motivate, motivated by the Holy Spirit, mortify your deeds... What does that mean? You put them to death. How? Swords, guns, bullets, you know. In the natural realm, so what in the spirit? Painfully not letting it have its way. Anybody else before, when you got saved, uh, the Lord saved your tongue too? Some people, you know, they say, my tongue ain't saved. I still cuss a little. I just, you know. Before I got saved, See, I'm a communicator. Quick. I forget, but I'm quick now. I quickly forget. Uh, but I could, cuss you, I could cuss you out 10 minutes and not say the same word twice. Make you feel small, small. And now it just so happens on this side of it, now walking with the Lord, you know, these 30 plus years, somebody will take shots at me on, uh, you know, private message or Facebook or call me on the phone or whatever, email me and I'll get ready to, oh, it's time. And I've got all this arsenal that I can unleash. And then you get that check and the Holy Spirit said, don't defend yourself. Please pray for me that I'll be a better man. You know what my flesh wants to do? Well, let's talk about you. That wig that nobody believes is really hair. My flesh wants to, you know, your husband got the same amount of hair growing out of his ears that you got growing on your lip. That's all I want to say. That's all I want. And there's more. Oh, there's plenty in there. And you're not allowed to. 
You're not allowed to. I'm trying to show you where we live. The Holy Spirit tells you no. Heard a preacher preach one time, God never says no. Well, if he don't say no, he'll say no. He won't. You know? All right, finishing up, finishing up, okay. He sanctifies us through repentance and grace. Listen to this. Let me just read it. 1 Corinthians 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Those that practice fornication, idolaters, adulterers, uh, homosexuals, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. And it says, and the like. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. That is not an assault on the LGBT community when you've got 25 adjectives of expressions. It says those, see, it's not homosexuality or adultery or fornication that sends the person to hell. It's the evidence that God's spirit does not reside in them. Because if God's spirit was in them, even if they commit the act, they're not able to be that. You see, and it said those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, and such were some of you, were, but now you're washed and now you're sanctified and now you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. I was a sexually immoral, perverted young man. I have things I've done. I've never told a living soul, not a soul, not a soul. And the devil reminds me of my wickedness and my guilt and my shame. But that same Holy Spirit that doesn't give, doesn't give when it comes to lifting my head either. He said, John, you were that, but look at me, you are washed you are forgiven. And as far as the east is from the west, I have removed your transgressions from you. You are a king and priest unto God the Father. By grace, through faith, you've been saved. See? You see? This world is preaching a gospel that does not have a, but such were some of you. It is, but such are some of you and God made you this way and God loves you and God accepts you when the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work is not through will, but through God's spirit, we were changed. We were changed. No, I'm not flawless, but you didn't know me. If our musician would come, please. You weren't there. You, you didn't know my heart and my, my thoughts were continually centered around pleasure and self. And now I still have some of those thoughts, but my ideas when I wake up is, how can my life bring glory to Jesus Christ? John Wood can't think those thoughts. It's the Holy Spirit within me. Why wouldn't we want to be filled with that spirit that brings Christ to the center? Now, some of us have grieved the Holy Spirit. One of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is a dove. We've got geese that have adopted our little half-acre pond. Those are the nastiest creatures. I was so happy when I saw, oh, look, little ducks. And they ain't ducks. Disguised as ducks, and they were geese. They, they took over. 
God, God's word for us is that we might be free, have stories of history and who we were and how we're not the same today. There the were some of you. We can't buy into this, God loves me just like I am, period. No, he loves you just like you are, comma, and loves you too much to leave you like you are. How do I know that I'm walking with the Lord? He's changing me. One of the best things you can do from this message this morning is go home and start praying the prayer. Search my heart, oh God, and see if there's a wicked way in me. Try me. Convict me and see how I'll respond. If my right hand offends me, I'm going to cut it off. If my right eye offends me, I'm going to pluck it out. If, if, if this brings you uh, anguish or angst, and I was referring a moment ago to the Holy Spirit as a dove, you can throw rocks at these geese. Yeah, I did forget my place again. I mean, you can throw rocks at them and they'll just swim for like six inches and come back because they want to eat the fish food that I'm throwing out. I hate them. I'm going to bake them a antifreeze pie, I think. Uh, all you activists don't write me. Um, it's a, it was a natural death. It was, it was painless. Um, but a dove, shh, gone. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know, he said, I'm not ever going to leave you, but I will leave you. Hovering at a distance, waiting for you to let Christ rule in your heart. And the moment you do, I will flutter back and calm and govern and confirm and encourage and quicken. But I will not, not convict you, giving you opportunity to continue down a path of destruction because you are the bride of Christ and my job is to glorify Christ. Final thought. He will lead us. The Holy Spirit will lead us in paths of righteousness. And he gives us freedom. I grew up in the Pentecostal charismatic church. Um, and those expressions. And one of their favorite things they would say is where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And that meant if the music's loud and it was a song you liked, everybody were free to dance. And that was the context. The spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. No, that's not the context of the scripture. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there are dead people that are free from their tombs. There are alcoholics that are free from their alcohol. There are degenerate people like me that are free from that immorality. There's addicts that are free from their bondage. There are warriors that are no longer bound by fear. They're free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, you will find a free person. I get to walk out of anything I want to walk out of. I'm not exempt from all that's going on in this world, but nothing controls me. I'm free. I sleep at night because the one that's in me is greater than he that's in the world and I will not fear the pestilence or the arrow by day or none of this confusion. I am free to live and move and have my being where the spirit of the Lord is. You ought to be free. And if there are any shackles in your heart or mind, you chose them or allowed them. 
How do I get out? I'm glad you asked. You don't need, oh, hear me. Three, four minutes, I'll be done. You don't need me to lay hands on you and you don't need a deliverance ministry. Is there anything wrong with the deliverance ministry? I'm not even touching that. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus came to save us from our sins and to destroy the works of the devil. And he said, whom the sun sets free, you're free. So how do I quit? You look at the chains that were either put on you by someone else that you allowed or by your own choice. And you just say in the name of Jesus and by what he's done, the redemptive work of the cross, I stand on that authority and you walk out. You know what's beautiful about that? Instead of Pastor John simonizing you and shaking you and spitting all over you and commanding, you know what's great about that? Is next time you stumble or fall intentionally or unintentionally, you don't look for Pastor John, you look for Jesus. You look for Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, is liberty. Are you free? Are you whole? Are you guilt free? There's no condemnation in Christ, those are in Christ Jesus. I'm ready today. Come get me. God, I am flawed. I am, I'm a dog if you look closely, but I'm your puppy. I'm lock, stock, and barrel. I am yours. All of my hope is in you. My future is in you. My goals, my dreams, my plans. And I want to be led by your spirit. And when he comes, he's going to see the mark. He's going to see the separation. He's going to see the consecration. And grace fills in all of my gaps. All of my gaps. Would you stand with me this morning? I know this is the kind of message, just bow your heads a moment. It's the kind of message you got to go home and flesh this out. But is there anything between you and God today? Nobody looking around. That thing you're keeping from God will keep you from God. It won't take but five minutes. Go home and shut a door. Get along with the Lord. And immediately the Holy Spirit will say, told you. That's what I've been telling you about. Can I have that? Will you walk out of that? Will you break out of that? Will you quit that? Will you change your mind about that? And whenever you repent, grace flows. And God's spirit, more of his spirit, more of his spirit. The Holy Spirit say, recreates us. He empowers us. And he changes us. Thank you, Lord, for the work of the Holy Spirit. Go deeper, Lord, for us. Change us into the image of your Son. Pastor Wade, would you come, please? Would you come and pray over us?
our relationship and our family with you. God, let this not just be a word that whispers through our ears today, but let it be seeds that go deep in our hearts. God, let us not just think about this and think, wow, what a good sermon. God, but let this mull in us. God, let this stir in us over and over and over again. And God, if there is a wicked way within us, God, would you reveal it? If there is substance in our heart that displeases you, God, we want to be people that please you. And God, you've brought us so far. You've taken us through so much. God, you've worked in us the depths of your riches, the depths of your glory so many times and so many well. And we trust you. We trust you, Lord. God, we ask you would fill us again with your presence, God. Fill us again with your spirit, God. Renew in us, God, a right spirit. Renew in us a right heart. God, renew in us, God, the longing and that hunger after you. So we put aside those things today, God. Keep us at a distance. We ask that you would wash us, God, that we may enter in and that you may renew us and fill us again, we pray. In Jesus' name. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We love you. Be blessed. We hope to see you tonight.